Hello there, and welcome to episode three of our Breaking Bad podcast. We are the Hyperbaric Goats. One man who's not adverse to a crust on his sandwiches is my good friend Bread Roll. So that leaves me, a man who smoked a lot more than just a sausage, is JT. <laughs> Great stuff. Guilty as charged as well. Yeah, I don't want crust on my on my bread. Can't be having any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind a crust. Um, we'll come on to why we're talking about that as we go through the episode, but I'm sure everybody knows. So as I said, this is episode three. It's actually our fifth podcast technically about this, if you include our pre-cook and the little trailer we did. But episode three, technically, it aired on the 10th of February 2008. So it's another 48-minute episode, I believe they all are, certainly for this season. Um, 1.08 million viewers in the US, so it's dropped off a little bit from last week's poor show, and it's got even worse. So it obviously hasn't gripped the nation as yet. This one was directed by Adam Bernstein, as was last week's uh, Cats in the Bag. So there are, we are sort of seeing a few different uh, directors now, but still written by Vince Gilligan. But as it goes on, we will see some different writers as well. So we're sort of continuing on from where last week's left off with this one, aren't we, Breadroll? Yeah, I'd forgotten this. Um, obviously, I've forgotten a lot about um, Series 1, to be quite honest with you, other than obviously a few bits and pieces. But I forgot it actually does kind of follow on, like, episode to episode quite closely, whereas a lot of the show, the episodes later on, they kind of just... Obviously, they're in the same ballpark, but they kind of just flow a bit more regularly, whereas this one is literally like where one ends, the next one begins. So um, it's quite good. I do quite like that sort of level of storytelling because it's easier to kind of keep up to like where they are timeline-wise or how much time has passed between episodes, which is very little in this case. Yeah, it would appear it's straight away, isn't it? Because it opens as we'll go through the uh, sort of little synopsis bit um, with them cleaning up Emilio's mess. Um so, yeah, it literally does carry on from, from where we finished last week. But there's a couple of things in this one that I didn't realise happened so soon, but I'll go through those as we go through the episode. Um, again, what we'll do on this one, we'll just read a one-line synopsis and then just chat away to bore everyone who's listening. So you're going to have to listen to us saying our own thoughts on this one. Are you ready to have a look at this one, Brad Roll? Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Okie dokie. So before we start, as always, big shout out to Dan Parkinson for the opening theme tune. Um, check him out on his Instagram, Dan Parkinson, and also his podcast, Stage Fright, which is back up and running now for season two. He's a lot more professional than us, shall we say. So yeah, go and check him out. Um, he's, a, he's a great guy as well. So a one-line synopsis for this episode, pulled from the Breaking Bad fan wiki. Walt and Jesse clean up Emilio's mess and Walt must face hide, holding up his end of the deal. That is a one-liner, which sums up this. And as I said there, it basically starts with them cleaning up the mess, and it's fucking gruesome, isn't it? It is, it is pretty, uh, pretty disgusting, isn't it? I do, I do like these shots. I mean, a lot of shows do them, and I always wonder how they set it up with the camera because they're kind of cleaning, but it's like the shot is under the floor, isn't it? So you get like the looking mm. up as they're kind of cleaning the, um, obviously the, <laughs> the splooge, as it were, <laughs> from Emilio, um, and sort of looking up at them, and they're sort of like all kind of, I don't know, wrapped up and everything doing it but um yeah it's a pretty good way to open the episode i think it is isn't it and just a little tidbit that again pulled from the breaking bad fan wiki not my own knowledge uh walt's using baking soda to clean up emilio's body as baking soda is an alkali so it would neutralize the acid so there's a little chemistry uh fact for you there oh there we go very well done and then we also get um like walt he, he starts coughing obviously jesse doesn't know he's got cancer at this point his family doesn't know he's got cancer at this point um but Jesse keeps looking, doesn't he? Like, because Walt's coffin's getting quite, quite sort of serious and everything. And then we get a flashback um, of Walt. Like, while he's like cleaning the way, they're talking, he's doing like some chemistry and stuff. I think it's, is it Gretchen he's with at the time? It must be. It is. Um, 
and he's doing some bits and they're just sort of talking about like what goes into the human body. And I swear, like the silhouette of him because he's made to look younger with his hair, he looks like fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi randomly just in that <laughs> buddy room. It's like, what's he fucking Ben Kenobi doing in this episode? Oh, it's Walt. <laughs> he does a little bit. You're right, actually. Yeah, it's, it's well shot, though, the way they've done it. So they have sort of done some sneaky camera angles and they've sort of darkened it a bit. So you can't really see him as clearly as you normally would. I mean, he kind of looks a bit like Ned Flanders in the early episodes. But yeah, he does look... Um, <laughs> He does look a bit uh, Obi Wan in that one, but it's it's quite good. That's the the earliest chronological scene we're ever going to see in Breaking Bad. So I think it goes back to sort of the mid to late eighties, doesn't it? And we do see Gretchen for the first time, as you said there. Yeah, yeah, because I didn't realise. Um, you, you might be on the same wavelength because you mentioned it just there, but like I didn't realise we kind of saw Gretchen that early on. There's a couple of bits in this episode, as I'm sure we both picked up on, but I didn't remember that she made an appearance. I know when he fainted in episode one is because he thought he saw her, but I didn't think she and the um the other geezer whose name escapes me came into it until much later on, like season three or something like that. No, you're right. I'd forgotten about that scene, but the minute I saw it when I watched this last night, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, he's doing his, obviously, his chemistry on the blackboard and going breaking down the, I think it's the human body, isn't it, into what it's made up of, obviously, and it ties into when he's cleaning with Jesse. Um, but, yeah, you're right there about the coffin, and I picked up on that a lot more. Um, in this episode, he does cough quite a lot, and we'll, we'll go into sort of the crazy eight bits towards the end. But I think as well, because um, they're cleaning up like fucking acid and goo and mess and everything, Jesse definitely is noticing Walt coughing, but he probably doesn't think much of it because just the situation they're currently in, he thinks he's probably coughing from, from the shit they're clearing up, even though they are wearing hazmat suits as such. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly so. And it's a, it's a random bit here because obviously they, they clear up all the blood and they flush it down the toilet and stuff um and then they're both out in the garden like in their kind of aprons and like say makeshift hazmat suits not as cool as the ones they get later on the kind of iconic yellow ones but and they're both just stood in these random paddling pools and it's like hosing each other down it's like did jesse just happen to have two fucking children's paddling pools handy (laughs) because when would they have gone out to get them obviously because it's literally like the bodies drop down i assume they just put the gear on and start cleaning up because he's using all the stuff from around the house so it's like he just happened to have two paddling pools handy. Yeah, he's got some quite handy things, hasn't he, Jesse? I mean, obviously it's his aunt's house, um, so there might be some things knocking about, but he does seem to have things that they need on hand without much sort of scratching around looking for them. Uh, a little bit Pulp Fiction, that, isn't it? I don't know if it's a nod to Pulp Fiction even, where they're showering themselves outside and they've just been cleaning up blood and bits of human remains, a la fucking Pulp Fiction. I don't know, it might just be a coincidence. But also, you said there about them flushing it down the toilet. I was watching this, and I'm thinking, surely that would leave evidence, because that body's not completely decomposed, and they're just flushing bits of it down the toilet. I mean, I know it goes into the sewers eventually, but surely if anything came back to bite them on the arse, they might be able to trace that. I was thinking, I I didn't really mention it then as well. I'm sure if forensics ever got wind of it, like Hank or anyone who came in and did a full sweep, there would be residue on that toilet or... Like saying the pipes and all that sort of stuff, some kind of trace at least. Yeah, we get a random scene here as well of everyone's favourite Skylar, um, and she's with Marie, and she's um, sort of pretending she's writing a book, isn't she, about someone smoking weed? She's talking about Walt because she still thinks Jesse's dealing in weed, but Marie jumps to a conclusion and thinks she's talking about Walt Junior, and it does lead on to quite a funny scene with Hank a little bit later on. It does, yeah, and. Um... I don't know. I just I, I like Marie as a character overall. I prefer her over Skylar, but she's just that typical kind of like nosy kind of 
I don't know, aren't like sticking their nose in everything because obviously she thinks that and then she goes and speaks to Hank. It's like, oh, Walt's Junior's doing, you know, part of that, which he's not. Um, and then wants Hank to go and talk to him and everything. But um, yeah, it's one of the cutler scenes we get in this. But straight away, I'm just like, I'm like, you know, sometimes it's like when you go back and look at things, it's like, did I misjudge Skylar? Is she not as annoying as I thought she was? And it's like, no, I just fucking hate her. The actress is good. Obviously, she plays the part well, but I just hate the character of Skylar. Everything she does annoys me. Yeah, she is quite annoying. I mean, at the moment, she's quite rightly all over the place because Walt is acting really fucking weird and she obviously doesn't know he's got cancer. He's just staying out all night and she does bust him a little bit later on, which I'm sure we'll get to in the synopsis coming up in a minute. Um, but yeah, she is annoying. We, we've always said that. There's quite a funny fight as well. We get another one between Walt and Jesse. Um, <laughs> Jesse's fucking smoking crystal in the toilet. And Walt just fucking, he's like, I'm trying to cramp on off here or something, doesn't he? Because Walt's asking what he's doing because we have Jesse's stupid moment part fucking 1,000 here. He's gone and told Crazy 8 pretty much everything about Walt. He knows his name. He knows he's got a son. He knows where he works. I'm assuming that was when Crazy 8 and Emilio fucking kidnapped him and drove him back to the cook site. But he's gone and fucking told Crazy 8 everything about Walt. So Walt's rightly pissed off. But Jesse says, oh, I'm in the toilet, we have to fucking wait. Walt's taking none of it, he just fucking kicks the door in. Jesse's smoking a crystal pipe on the fucking toilet, and then it all kicks off him. And there's quite a funny moment where they're sort of both flapping at each other, isn't it? I did like that. Yeah, it was good. It's like a fucking Laurel and Hardy skit almost. Um, but they're like, both kick each other, and they're like playing footsies. And like, Walt stood there like trying to kick from a distance. Jesse sat on the toilet, you know, still wearing about 10,000 fucking jackets as always, even though it looks like it's 1,000 degrees. Like smoking, and this is one of the many reasons I don't like Jesse. The guy's just a fucking idiot. I mean, he's constantly just going out and getting wasted and stoned and everything. It's like I think you've got more important things to worry about than fucking, you know, cooking up or shooting up right now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess that's the way he deals with it. I mean, different people deal with stress different ways, and obviously he's an addict as such. So I guess that's just how he deals with it. But also, the fight's quite funny. Jesse fucking runs off and gets into his car which is looks completely fucked but and they're kicking off at each other in the driveway and we said last week when crazy eight was staggering around and no one seemed to notice again jesse must have some pretty understanding neighbors because they're shouting each other and swearing and everything no one's sort of around as always and no one seems to sort of take any notice of the fact that it's all kicking off do they they don't and i thought that as well and it's like for two people who are trying to keep a low profile because they just like kind of evaporated one bloke almost in well near enough into gunge and they got another guy in the basement they're going to try and kill and a shitload of like meth in their in their kitchen and stuff you know they're certainly like kicking up a fucking stink like the front of his house is open like we said it's those american houses so they all kind of point towards each other with big windows and stuff and surprise the neighbors didn't call the cops but i did like just before that kicks off and there's a couple of scenes obviously with it with walt and crazy eight and obviously he speaks to him quite a lot in this episode and you can see Crazy Eight, he's actually quite smart the way he's talking to Walt because he's planting the seeds, isn't he? He's like saying, oh, yeah, Jesse, you know, you've got one problem left right now, and it's Jesse. He's the one who shouts his mouth off and says everything, and he's a, you know, can't be trusted. And it really puts those seeds of doubt into um, Walt, doesn't it, um, with this? And then obviously he comes down and speaks to Crazy Eight later, as I'm sure we'll touch on. But Crazy Eight, you can tell he has got a plan. He is trying to kind of like manipulate Walt through most of this episode. He absolutely is, but to be fair, he's not far wrong. Um, and it'll yeah. play out throughout the whole of the five seasons that Jesse is a bit of an issue, as you said quite rightly. He is a bit fucking stupid and he can be quite annoying, although I do like the character. Um, so, as I said a few weeks back, it could be interesting when 
Jesse starts acting like he does, we would probably have conflicting views on it. So that could be quite interesting. So stay tuned for those people. Um, we, there's a random scene now, and I remember um, Marie having these problems throughout the whole of the five seasons where she's a bit of a kleptomaniac. She starts stealing things, but she randomly steals this pair of shoes from this shoe shop and just walks out with them. And I can't remember why she starts stealing. Um, I'm sure we'll get to it when it becomes more prevalent, but I don't know. I, just, I can't remember if it even plays any kind of point in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that, and I didn't realise she did it so soon. So remember, like, later on, she does it when she's, like, visiting houses. And they do, as obviously the characters get a bit more developed, they do reference that she's had issues in the past and stuff. But, I mean, the clerk in the shop is just fucking stupid anyway, isn't she? Like, she's not paying any attention or giving any customer service. So I'm not saying she deserves to be robbed from, but, yeah, Marie's on the phone flapping on it, Hank. He's in the middle of, like, arresting some fucking hombres and stuff. And it's like, hey, baby, how's it going? Get back out of here! And he's chatting <laughs> on the fucking phone. But I do love Hank. As soon as he appears on screen or on phone at this point, you just, like, you're kind of smiling to yourself because he's such a great character. And then, like you say, she just steals those fucking shoes because the clerk just buggers off. Yeah, oh, that scene's great, isn't it, with Hank? He's, like, literally, like, say, one minute, he's like, hey, baby, and he's fucking shouting at these fucking Mexican drug dealers. And he's like, all right. And he, what does he say? He says something to her, doesn't he? He makes her sort of do a fucking uh, kiss sound down the phone or something. And his face, as he walks away, is all smug, isn't he? He's brilliant. Oh, yeah. He's like, all right, yeah, I'll speak to Walt Jr. Where's my sugar? Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's it. I that <laughs> <laughs> and then speaking of him, speaking to, uh, to Walt Jr., it does cut to that, I think, pretty much straight after that. We meet Wendy for the first time, who does play... I wouldn't say a big part, but she pops up quite often. She's in Better Call Saul as well, isn't she? Um, but fucking hell, Jesse's obviously involved with this Wendy, and we do see them together in this, and she gets on him and starts riding him. But fucking, I know Jesse's a meth head, but how fucking low is he stooping? Because she is a mess. Well, yeah, I mean, she looks like Iggy Pop to start with, and it's like <laughs> fucking that. But when she goes into the house, obviously Hank calls her over, and he's trying to, like, because Walt, Obviously, Hank thinks um, Walt Jr., who he's got with him, is um, smoking pot. And Walt Jr. has no idea what the whole ride-along or anything is like. He's just speaking to this woman. Then she bucks off. Um, and then he, she goes in, and, like, Jesse's just sat by the window, like, by the blinds. And he's like, all right, then. He just pulls his pants down, and she sits down. And it's like, you know, it doesn't go in that easy. It's just like they, she sits on his lap and riding away and it's like that's a bit of a dodgy sex scene I mean I mean probably just sell both off their heads they don't even know but it's like it never goes in the first time anyway like a USB stick you've got to try it two or three times haven't you <laughs> it's not USB-C where it goes in always anyway uh, but yeah it's a funny scene though isn't it like you said there Walt Jr's got no fucking idea what Hank's doing Hank thinks he's teaching Walt Jr a life lesson and he's just sat there and he's like yeah, talking to Wendy about meth and everything. He, he's like, do you smoke pot? And she's like, why, have you got some? And he's like, no, I ain't fucking got some and all that. And Paul oh, Junior says, clueless, bless him, is brilliant. Yeah, it is good. I do like, as you alluded to there, your uh, your intro and everything. <laughs> um, Hank, he kind of like realises what he's saying is inappropriate for Walt Jr. And he sort of corrects himself. He's like, yeah, what else have you been smoking besides sausages? <laughs> then he looks at Walt and he's like, oh, <clears throat> back to business type thing. It's just fucking brilliant. Yeah, it is good. And it's a great scene. As you say there, fucking old Dean Norris, he does steal the scene when he's in it. Um, and then it cuts to Walt, I believe. He's at Jesse's and he's lying to Skylar. And this is where I said she's cottoned on to him because he's like, oh, I'm still at the car wash, babe. I'm going to be late and everything. Bogdan's got me doing some accounts or something. She's like, well, that's funny. So I spoke to him the other day and he said, you quit two weeks ago. 
And then Wolves like, oh shit, uh, okay. And then she's like, don't come home tonight. Stay wherever you are. And at this point, you can kind of th- see why Skylar's doing it because he is being fucking weird and really distant and just avoiding everything. Well, yeah, he comes out and he sort of like porks her one night, like out of the blue, and then he just starts acting <laughs> strange. So yeah, I suppose like you say, uh, kind of uh, her. Um, she obviously she thinks something's up and everything, and thinks he's smoking pot and that. Which I'm sure next episode is when she finds out he isn't, but. There's um a bit here, like once, because he's always going to stay at the house and Jesse's buggered off, he's off shagging Iggy Pop. And he makes um Crazy Eight a sandwich and it's the most American sandwich you can think of. It's like got plastic cheese, plastic meat by the looks of it, like God knows how much mayonnaise. Um, and he cuts the crusts off and this really grinds my gears. He cuts the crust off, but he's not using the chopping board. He just does it on the side. And I don't know what it is. That just really pissed me off because I'm really kind of... I don't know, finicky about that. There's coasters in my house and there's chopping boards for a reason. And he just cuts it on the side. I'm sure he doesn't really give a shit, but it just really wound me up. <laughs> I never noticed that. But yeah, you're right. And also, you can imagine that Jesse's work services probably aren't the cleanest and the most hygienic. I'm not saying his chopping board would be either. But yeah, I mean, this is the, the first sort of sign that Walt is becoming not like attached to Crazy Eight. That's the wrong word. But He's showing his human side, isn't he? He's cutting the crusts off. He's already given him the bare necessities, but he didn't have to give him that with his bucket and the water and that he's given him. Um, so he's showing his human side a little bit there. And this is when he um, he comes down the fucking stairs and he starts coughing with the sandwiches and pretty much just fucking face plants the floor and drops the sandwiches and everything. And then he comes around, Crazy Eight says he was out for 10 to 15 minutes and basically said, I thought we were going to lose you then. Walt, to be fair to him, bless him, he goes back upstairs to make another sandwich, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And there's something here because obviously the plate smashes when he falls. And I, I was trying to think of something about that plate um, comes in the plate, which of course it does. He takes all the bits upstairs and throws them in the bin and stuff. Then he comes um, downstairs and he sits with um, Crazy Eight. And there's some brilliant foreshadowing here. There's two bits of it. Obviously, Crazy Eight's like, oh, well, you need to get out of this line of work. Um, it doesn't suit you. You're going to, you know, you stay here. You're going to keep doing this, you're going to eventually die. Um, or something along those lines, which is obviously true, spoiler alert. And also, Walt was making a list, like reasons, pros and cons for keeping Crazy Eight alive versus killing him. And it sort of goes down all the stuff on the left, and on the right, it's like, he'll kill you and all your family and stuff. I thought all the stuff on the left just seems very specific, like, that's everything Walt's going to become. He's going to stop caring about all of those points of view as he becomes Heisenberg. I don't know if that was done on purpose as foreshadowing or just, again, coincidence with the writing, but I was looking down and it's like, yeah, you're going to lose all your scruples bit by bit the more you stay, or the more you become Heisenberg. I just thought that was really good. Yeah, I thought the same, watching this again and sort of analysing it a bit more. That list, yeah. And then he's just got the one thing, hasn't he? The, um, the, the pros are killing him, basically. Like you say, he'll end up killing you and your whole family, and that's pretty much the only pro about killing him. And this is a great scene, isn't it? When he goes back down with the beers. He's found some beers in Jesse's fridge. Um, I don't know why they have six packs in America. It's, it's, it's annoying in a way. We only get four packs over here. Why do they have six packs? It's much better. Anyway, he takes a six pack downstairs and he rolls a couple across the floor to Crazy Eight. But he doesn't roll them that carefully. He sort of drops it and rolls it. And I'm thinking when he opens that, it's going to explode everywhere. But... It's a good scene between him and Crazy Eight because Crazy Eight again is fucking playing him, isn't he? Just it turns out that Walt knows uh, Crazy Eight's dad. He owns a fucking store and Walt shopped there before and everything. They have quite a touching conversation, don't they? 
It is, and it's just really good writing and delivery from both of them, to be fair. Obviously, our Crazy A doesn't last much longer. Um, but, yeah, it's just a really good conversation. You can see, like, Crazy A knows when he's tr- he's losing Walter, and then he like, comes back and kind of, like, oh, yeah, my name's this, and, oh, yeah, I remember, I, I live around here and stuff, and he's keeping him on point. Um, it is really good and really well written, and then Walter's like, I'll go, and, I'll go and get the key in that, and that's when he goes upstairs and he kind of thinks, doesn't he, like something, he opens the bin, to throw his can away then he pulls a plate out and puts it all back together and he realizes there's like a shank missing and i was like well that's you know fairly decent um obviously showing that, that he knows that crazy eight's got a, a weapon but it just happens to be a kind of dagger shaped bit of plate you know yeah, it breaks into all these pieces it just happens to be a perfectly sort of like dagger shaped bit that went to crazy eight it's one of those show tv movie 101s isn't it it is absolutely, and um, I think it was on IMDb. It was a goof that when the plate broke, there was actually no piece in that shape, um, conveniently. But Crazy Eight somehow got one. But as well, Walt, when he puts that plate back together, um, very cleverly done the way he discovers obviously Crazy Eight's got the weapon, just you know, the, the coincidence that he put the can in the bin, then saw the plate, and obviously the ball must have dropped. He's like, hold on a minute, and he puts it back together on the work surface, and obviously sees the missing piece there, as you said. but Walt's face, he's, he's genuinely upset, isn't he? I don't know if he's upset the fact that, fuck me, I could die here, or whether he's upset the fact that Crazy Eight's betrayed him when he thought he was sort of becoming his friend almost. He's brilliantly played by old uh, Brian Cranston. Yeah, it is, because, again, I don't know if there is a direct answer to that. Maybe it's both of them and that, but like you say, it's like, is he upset because, you know, he's thinking, oh... Um, you know, now I have to kill him, basically. Or like you say, it's like, oh, he's betrayed me. I, I nearly fell for it. If I'd have gone any step further, I'd be dead right now. And he's kind of realising that he's just surrounded by people already that he can't trust. Because obviously Jesse's a fucking world-class plunker. Um, Crazy Eight's obviously a manipulating drug lord, but he's a bit more savvy with it because he's obviously been in the game a bit longer. So multiple thoughts running through his head. And like you say, Cranston's acting, his facial expressions and that are brilliant. And this bit, when he goes back down, and obviously... Crazy, yeah, he's got this fucking D-lock around his neck, turns around, he's like, yeah, unlock me, Walter, and stuff. And just the look on Walter's face where he's like, are you going to stab me with that bit of plate? And I don't know why Crazy Eight just suddenly pulls it out as if he's going to reach him, because he's definitely not. Maybe it's just desperation. And Walter grabs the D-lock and starts fucking strangling him, and that's so brutal because the effects on Crazy Eight's face, like his eyes are bulging, they're going bloodshot and all that sort of stuff. It looks fucking gnarly. It does, doesn't it? So well done. Um, and yeah, it's a horrible way to die. I mean, no way to die is nice if it's like enforced. But yeah, it's quite nasty. And Walt's face as well, when he first starts doing it, there's that sort of hint that he's a bit deranged, but he's nowhere near how bad he's going to get. But the minute Crazy Eight does slump down and, and dies, he's fucking mortified, isn't he? He breaks down. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I guess it's like the shame or whatever, because... We then obviously have Jesse. He comes home. He's obviously been out doing his thing. Um, I like the, the the RV squeaky clean, isn't it? Like the house is pristine. He goes downstairs. The D lock's just on the side. Everything's gone. No traces of anything. And he's just kind of like, ah, okay. And I assume he, he doesn't even know what's happened, whether Crazy Eight's alive or dead at this point because he hasn't spoken to Walt. And then uh, Walt goes home and it just ends with him saying, Skylar, um, can we talk or something like that? Or I've got something to tell you. I mean, yeah, at that point, I guess Jesse doesn't know what's happened. Walt could be dead, Crazy Eight could be dead. They both could be dead, they both could be alive. He's got no idea, as you say. He's not 
not spoken to Walt. Um, I actually thought one of the things that I said at the start, a couple of bits that I hadn't realised in this episode, I thought Crazy Eight lasted longer than just the three yeah. episodes. I, I, somehow I thought he was in the whole season, but that's the end of him now. Obviously, he's in Better Call Saul, so maybe that's where I thought he lasted longer. He's in a few episodes of that. But we get a little scene as well, don't we, in between Walt telling Skylar, I've got something to tell you, which, to be fair, he's really got to come clean now because she's obviously really suspicious about what's going on. But we get a little scene with Hank and Gomez. They're at the cook scene where the fire was, and they, they find that mask. Um, well, the kids have got the mask, and they, they give it to them. Um, but as we said in the pilot episode, so now the DEA and the police are involved in this cook scene. So why haven't the firemen come clean and said, well, yeah, we saw some weirdo in his pants with a gun standing next to a wrecked RV? Um, you know, that that was never mentioned, and they definitely would have said something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, this is another thing. I didn't think they um, started putting these dots together, like the mask and everything, for another couple of episodes. I know we saw the kids find it, but I didn't think this happened quite as fast. But thinking about it, there's only seven episodes in series one, isn't there? So it probably is moving along a bit quicker than we'd think. But yeah, you would have thought they'd, they'd tie up a few more loose ends than that. Because they find um, like Emilio and Crazy Eight's like, car is still there, isn't it, in the desert? And Hank sort of like shifting around. And Gomez is being like, oh, I've already searched it. Then Hank finds obviously the crystal, which is going to become blue sky further down the line. Yeah, it's quite good the way he finds it as well. And then Hank doing his old bravado thing. He's messing about and he manages to eject the radio and it's behind that. And he's like, bingo, whatever he says. He fucking loves it, doesn't he? He loves getting one up on old Gomi. Yeah, I do like the banner again. I mean, it might ruffle a few feathers with obviously the modern audiences and stuff because he's like, man, I'm so. Um, <laughs> Hank's like, yeah, I'm so clever. I'm like Rayman. And Gomez's like, yeah, you're a retard or stuff like that. It's just <laughs> quite funny. The sort of just a little camaraderie between them. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, like I say, the episode ends with Walt telling Skyler he's got something to tell her. And then that's the end of the episode. And if I'm honest, I can't remember now what happens in the rest of season one. I'm kind of getting mixed up with the the seasons and how this one now progresses because as I said I thought Crazy 8 lasted a lot longer than three episodes so I'm really really looking forward to to watching the rest of this and how it plays out because it's really distant in my memory I'm sure when I start watching it it'll all come back yeah because I know at some point they meet that they start working like crazy is it Chico or something like that that or Tuco um yeah, I don't know if he comes into it. So I thought he was season two, so maybe he comes into yeah, it at so the end of I. this. But yeah, I'm I'm flying a bit blind now into the rest of this series, um, or season, should I say, because I don't actually know what sort of direction it's going in. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we'll be back with episode four, all being well, next week. And uh, it might uh, sort of enlighten us a little bit. I'm sure, like I say, when we start watching it, it'll come back. But, yeah, I thought Tuco was season two. But the more I think about it, I think he does come into season one. But I guess we'll find out. We will, yeah. But as an episode as a whole, I think it's it's really, really good. And um, it definitely moves along the character or the characterization of Walt and the sort of desperation. And obviously his, his fall from grace is happening quite suddenly, isn't it? You know, one day he's like a normal teacher. The next day he finds out he's got cancer. The third day he's cooking meth. And the fourth day he murders someone. So he's got a pretty good spiral <laughs> so far, isn't he? <laughs> it's moving quickly, isn't it? There's a little scene that's quite irrelevant, but I'll mention it now, that Walt, isn't it school, is he? There's a substitute teacher comes in. Um, I'm assuming he hasn't told him he's got cancer. The only person he's told so far is Crazy 8, isn't it? He's the only person he's told. He hasn't told Skylar, Jesse. I'm assuming he hasn't told the school. He's told no one apart from Crazy 8, who's now dead. 
Yeah, but I think, I suppose when you were watching it the first time around, if you were watching it when it first aired, obviously we weren't, as we've already said, but I suppose it was kind of thinking, the cliffhanger is, Skylar, I've got something to tell you. You're probably left wondering, oh shit, is he going to tell her the truth, that he's, you know, he's murdered someone and what he's doing, but obviously it's not. I think it's the next episode where he reveals to her that he's got cancer and stuff moves on from there, but all in all, it's actually not a bad cliffhanger, is it, as far as TV shows go? No, not at all. I mean, I don't know when she finds out about the whole Heisenberg thing. It's not for a while, I don't think. Maybe a couple of seasons even, because he keeps it from everyone for a while. But then obviously, spoiler alert, but everyone knows, Skylar does kind of get involved in her own way, certainly the money laundering side of it. But I don't think that's for a while yet. Yeah, yeah, I think that is down the line. I think that's after he gets cured the first time or something, but we're getting ahead of ourselves with that one. We sure are. We've still got four episodes of season one to go um, and we can't remember what happens. So it should be fun. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, yeah, let us know your thoughts on this particular episode and any of the episodes coming up. You can get in touch with us at the usual places. Uh, until such time as old Elon starts charging for it, you can get hold of us on X at the Hyperbaric Goats. And you can also find us on Instagram, Hyperbaric underscore goats. Give us a follow, share us with your friends. And uh, let us know your thoughts on these episodes. Do you like them or not like them? If you know any little tidbits or behind-the-scenes bits, give us a um, a nudge and we'll uh, we'll shout it out on the next episode. Indeedy. And if anyone wants to come on and have a chat with us, please let us know because um, we'd be well up for getting a few guests on. And you won't just have to listen to me in a bread roll. You can have another voice to listen to. There you go. Absolutely. So let us know. And even if it's something ahead of time or you just want to do a random episode where we just talk about the show in general, we'll do what we can to make that happen. So um, thank you very much for joining us. And this is Bread Rolls signing off. And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. Oh, well, Heil Hitler, bitch!